325 South Westwood in Poplar Bluff. Come be a part of what God's doing here. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Amen. His mercy endureth forever. Certainly does. We might just have a little Holy Ghost breakout here, huh, Pastor Kim? Yeah. Go ahead. It won't bother me. Yeah. Glory. I used to have that breakout in my services all over. In Florida, we had holy laughter break out often. Had a lady named Joy, or actually Jane. I nicknamed her Joy Jane. She was hard as a rock. Older lady. She'd been an AA for like 30 years sober. And she's stone-faced. And after the hurricane, we met in the high school auditorium there in South Dade High School. And she started coming. So we had a pipeline from AA. We had two or three people that were been in it for a long time. And they started inviting people, and they'd come. And Jane would sit like this, just a hard look on her face. And... She sat there for week after week after week, and I didn't know if we were ever going to crack that hard shell. And she came up at the end of the service after I'd already prayed for people. We were limited by time, so our guys had it down because after our building was destroyed, we had road cases. It was like having a Christian rock concert every Sunday. They'd roll in with the cases, take everything out, set up the speakers, roll out the big snake back to the soundboard and and all that. Well, they were picking everything up. We were trying to get out on time. And Jane came up. She was about 65, maybe 64 at the time. And, and she said, I said, well, what can I do for you, sister? And she said, I want the Holy Ghost. Just like that. Not even a smile. I, was gonna, I said, well, okay, raise your hands. I was going to put my hand on her to, for her to receive and Hank Bowles was with me he was hanging around because he was the one that pulled the trailer with the sound equipment and so he stood behind her and that high school auditorium was set up with theater seats you know that would flip up and down and so I started to lay my hands on her. the Lord said don't touch her I said well the Lord just told me not to touch you that he was going to touch you. And boy, when I said that, she let out a shout and started having a belly laugh. <laughs> Just the Holy Spirit burst out of her. And I went like that, and she fell like a ton of bricks. And Hank, had he got touched. Well, he didn't catch her. He hit those front row of seats and fell into that seat, and he was belly laughing too. And she, I watched her. I couldn't catch her. I couldn't grab her in time. She went, boom. That's a concrete floor. You know, I'm thinking in the spirit, and I'm thinking in the flesh. I'm thinking like, Lord, please don't let her break anything. 
But when she was on that floor, she was laughing and laughing and laughing some more. And she was never the same after that. She attended our church for many years. And uh, she actually paid Mickey Butler's way to the mission field with me to Mexico. And uh, then he started going all over. He's been to 11 countries and helped missionaries and preached and and shared his testimonial. And uh, I tell you what, it's just like one thing to another to another. But from then on, I could be preaching on a Sunday morning, and I could just look at her, and she'd start to laugh. She'd start to kind of giggle like a boiling pot. Then she'd burst out with it. I'd say, well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, it's okay with me. We'd have it down in Mexico. People would fall out in the spirit laughing. They'd try to get back to the seat. They couldn't get up. They'd crawl back to their seats. They couldn't get above like the seat level. They'd crawl back and then try to get up in the seat. You know, it was pretty hilarious. And Brad Cunningham's wife, Lucy, was like eight months pregnant. She started falling out. We had an outdoor concert with Eliezer Hernandez my Cuban music pastor, and, and uh, she started falling out. A couple of guys ran over and caught her just in time. But as soon as she was laying on the concrete outside with an outdoor concert, she began to laugh. And these students from University of Guadalajara, extension to Ahihik, there was like six to 8,000 English people, speaking people there, that lived there that retired there on Lake Tahoe. And uh, they came over and said, what's wrong with her? And then we explained to them that she was just full of the joy of the Lord. And they said, we want that. And so we led them to Jesus. They got saved. Then we laid hands on them. Then they began to laugh in the spirit. Just contagious. really was. Anyway, we're, we're on part 11 you saying, how long are you going to be preaching on this subject? I don't know. At least 12 parts because i got another part. i got another part next week you know, already. But this is part 11 about moving past forgiveness. You've got to get beyond forgiveness, not have to be hung up on forgiving the same people over and over and over. You know, but if you got to, you got to. But Matthew 18, verse 21 and 22 says, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? See, he thought he was being generous because the Muslims, they believe only four times. That's as many times you have to forgive for a particular sin. He's, he was being generous. Up to seven times, Lord? You know, I'm really a good guy. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. What was he saying? He was, that's 490 times, but basically he was just saying, you've got to just keep forgiving no matter what. Make it go away. But you see, we must have a lifestyle of forgiveness with no limit to the number of times that we forgive the offenders. And I tell you what, I've had a lot of times I've had to forgive people. And then if their face comes in front of me in prayer, I forgive them again. 
But what happens, the more you forgive by faith, you don't have as much animosity. It goes away until when you see them, it's not like maybe they're your best buddy or best friend, but you don't have to be, you know, vindictive towards them. You don't have to feel angry towards them anymore because it doesn't affect you anymore. It's just, well, that's their deal. I forgive them. So you're clean in your heart. Here's a question for you. How can we claim to be followers of Christ and not obey his command to unconditionally forgive those who have done us harm? <laughs> I had a birthday coming up. I have a birthday coming up in March, but I had a birthday coming up, and somebody invited me out to eat, me and my wife. And it was a nice restaurant. And lo and behold, they invited somebody else that I'd kind of crossed hairs with. I'm kind of like, why did you invite them down in my heart? But I smiled. said, that's okay. And I ate a good meal. But I just had to keep forgiving, even though that person had done me harm with their words and with their actions and then to come and be you know like that to my face it was difficult even for a preacher but you know you forgive you learn to forgive and you get over it then when you see that person it doesn't bother you anymore you can actually shake their hand hug their neck have a little conversation how's your family so on and it's all right like I said, it doesn't mean you have to entrust your car keys to them. You don't have to give them a key to your house. You know, you, you be friendly. Be nice. God loves everybody. And he wants them all to go to heaven. So you forgive so that they have a chance to get their life right and their heart right. So let's look a little further into Matthew here. Going on in chapter 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? Let's go on. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded manded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in that payment be made. Isn't that something? That it wasn't just that they'd repossess your car or your house back then. They repossessed you and your family and put them in slavery to work until the debt was repaid, which is, is a lot of money. They might never be able to do that. The servant therefore fell, fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Isn't that wonderful? That that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. I mean, you talk about, that's like owing you 
fifty bucks compared to owing you a million bucks. You know. So he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Well, how are you going to pay the debt if you're in prison? You can't go out and work a job. That was very vindictive. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow, you know, sometimes, though you don't feel it in here, you do need self-preservation, and you need to apply what the Scripture's telling you to do. Like I said, you don't have to feel it all the time. You have to faith it. You have to do it by faith. So that you can move on from it. That it doesn't have anything on you anymore. You can forgive that person. You can forgive that debt. You know, I'll never forget when the hurricane had happened and, and our home was destroyed and I got the insurance money and paid off the mortgage and I sold it for $20,000. At that time, it was a house worth about 83000 And so I'd paid off the mortgage I had all the contents money given to me. And so I had enough money by selling the house for 20 grand to go and put money down on another place. But I didn't know where that would be. And so we got the insurance company, State Farm, like a good neighbor they were to me. Uh, they helped me buy an RV, a trailer that you pull. And it was 35 foot. And I moved it into Hank Bose's backyard. Now, his house was damaged. Mine was destroyed. I mean, the roof ripped off and everything messed up in it. So it wasn't, it was totaled. His was like $30,000 or $40,000 worth of damage. And so he kept getting his work done. And so we lived in that trailer in his backyard. And we'd eat meals together. We'd grill out together and then we'd go to church and we had to have church under a tent for six months and then so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I ended up walking the dogs. I had two Cocker Spaniels, and I walked them down the street every day and back. And, and it was their potty time. And so uh, I saw this man walking out of his house one day. And he had had a for sale sign in it before Hurricane Andrews just tore up everything. This, the, his house, these houses were farther inland. That's what I wanted. The house that was destroyed was by the Air Force Base. It was closer to the ocean. And so there we were. 
And I was walking by, and I asked the guy, I said, is your house still for sale? He said, oh, yes. I said, well, I noticed you don't have a sign in the yard. And I, he said, yeah. He said, I, in fact, I'm working in Fort Lauderdale, which has a 45-minute drive. He said, I'd love to sell this place so I can move up there. I said, well, what do you want for it? And he told me, and he said it had an assumable mortgage. And so I put like almost a lot of my contents money and some of that money that I'd sold the other place for down so I could get the smaller mortgage and a nicer home. See how God opened a door. I mean, you know, what's, what the enemy means for evil, and I, I know the enemy doesn't control hurricanes, and it rains on the just as it does the unjust alike. So somebody can say, oh, God protected my house. They live across the street, and somebody lives on the other side, and their house was destroyed. Well, that didn't mean God just protected. Things happen. Now, I'm not taking any glory away from God. Now, if the tornado hopped over your house and didn't hit it, maybe you'd say, yeah, God, man, God blessed us. Maybe he knew what your choice was to be. I don't know. Mine was destroyed. I was a pastor. One of the ladies in the church, she got up and said, well, praise the Lord. I told the hurricane not to touch my house, and it went, it, it missed me. Yeah, she was up on the outer band, you know, where not much damage happened. Well, she could say that. God bless her. I said, well, God destroyed my, let mine be destroyed. I'm the pastor. Hallelujah. I can still praise the Lord too. But the insurance money paid off. And I was able to get in a house closer to the church, farther inland, on the same street as my childhood friend that worked at Florida Power and Light, where they were seven houses down the street from us. You know, it all worked out great. This one had a swimming pool. Mine did not have a swimming pool. You know, just everything was better, and it worked out in a great way. Sometimes you got to go through it, like Bishop Jake said, to get to it. And then Ronnie Webb, Bishop Ronnie Webb says the same thing. You know, but you do. you got to go through it sometimes. Who am I going to be mad at? I'm not going to be mad at the lady that was in our church that said, well, I, told, I prayed the Lord to station his angels and the hurricane not touch my house. I don't know. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. She was just farther north away from the storm. Bless her heart. She gave God glory. I'll give God glory. I give God the glory because my house was destroyed. He's still in charge. And I walked through it. But he... Help me while I was walking through. Have any of you been through anything? Have you been through some hard times? Some things that seemingly would destroy you? I mean, I look around and I see different ones here, and I know what some of you have been through. And to know that God has kept you all along. It's really remarkable, isn't it? Well, let's look at some things here. I'm going to give you some points. Firstly, our debt to Christ is many times greater than any debt owed to us. We're like that smaller servant. You know, 
whoever owes us doesn't owe us anything close to what we owe Jesus Christ. He poured out his life and his blood on that cross and at that whipping post so that we could have his grace and mercy in our time of need. We can come boldly before the throne of God and ask in our time of need. Ephesians 4, 31-32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Like I told you, that one man that was out to get me, and when he went away, and I just watched God's hand be worked. The man lost his business. You know, there is a scripture that says, Touch not my anointed, or do my prophets any harm. Man, he lost his business. He got sued by the Baptist church in town. He tried to rip our church off with windows that weren't approvable. And then he he would like to have got me out, and he wanted to be the pastor of our church. But it didn't work that way. He accused me of things that I didn't do. He lied against me, things that weren't true. Has anybody ever lied against you? Yeah. And yet, you know what I did? I went out and mowed my grass in the new house that I got that was farther inland that I was able to get because what the, what the, you know, what the nature did to our house. The hurricane destroyed us, but God rebuilt it. And while I mowed and prayed, and I'd pray forgiveness on that man, and God told me, he said, stop praying for him. I said, why, Lord? He said, you don't have any malice in your heart towards him. I had no meanness towards him. I, you know, I blessed him in Jesus' name. Hey, go your merry way. May God bless you. When you can get to that point and you truly let go and let God, as the saying is, God does something spectacular. And secondly, if we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven. We got to forgive. That's not an option. And so Luke 11, verse 4, and also 25, 26 says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, once I got that house on that street, I wanted to put a, a cover over it. And so I hired a guy from Texas that was down there working with the hurricane relief and all that. And his daughter, grown daughter, was with him. And I'll never forget, under the tent, you know, I, I gave him, I was a little naive back then. I was in my early 30s. And I got a check from the insurance company. So I had money. So I wrote him a check for $5,700. It was $6,800. It was a bit of money anyway to build that enclosure. I even had our architect, you know, draw it so it could be permitted. Well, when I went to check on it, he didn't. He wasn't there that Monday, but he was in church under the tent Sunday, and we had been given a whole bunch of apples. You know how you have relief come in, and there was boxes of apples, and I gave him all these apples, and he, 
He said, I really appreciate this. And that was the last time I saw him. I tracked that joker down all the way to Houston, Texas. I wanted to wring his neck, to tell you the truth. <laughs> and finally, I talked to his daughter, and she said, I'm so sorry, Pastor, that my dad did that. She had just reacquainted herself with him after many years of not knowing him. And so I said, you know what? It's in God's hands. I forgive him. I know you didn't want to do it that way. He said, I felt so bad when he said, we're going back home. And he robbed me. I mean, that's a felony to rob somebody of $6,000. And so I didn't get a cover over my pool. But you know what? I enjoyed the sunshine anyway. I was thankful to have a pool in South Florida. That's how my kids learned how to swim. Then that swim pool, at least that. And Alicia, but, you know, I just gave it up to the Lord. you got to do that. He said, and when he comes, he finds it. So you got to deal with all that junk, the anger, the strife, the wrath, the malice. It says, and when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Talking about getting deliverance of all the crud in your heart and life. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. In other words, if you don't forgive and you don't release all that stuff, <coughs> the, the junk, <coughs> then the same thing that was in you will bring seven other ones with him. And boy, if you thought it was bad before, it's nothing like what the devil will do to you then. It's not worth hanging on to junk. When you get cleansed and you get it in order, don't let the devil come back in with any of those evil thoughts. Keep that forgiveness going. Keep the Bible reading going. Keep the prayer going. Keep the praise and worship alive in your life. And you watch how God will keep your house clean. How you'll grow and be ministered to. So, thirdly, we should forgive because we don't know the circumstances of those who wronged us. Have you ever had somebody wrong you or steal from you and then you find out they were in dire straits? And they did what they thought they had to do. Oh, they didn't trust God maybe like you did. They trusted the dollar that they could take with them. I don't know what that man's total circumstances were. But you know, God always made up the difference for me. Because when I sold that house, after owning it for about five years, because my family was growing. We had Nick. We were about to have Chelsea. And so I tried to sell that house, put it on the market, wouldn't sell. But you know, when you don't hold a grudge against somebody and your heart is clean, Stephen, I'm telling you, 
I was laying on a bed taking a nap in Tino's house when I was ministering in Mexico. And I heard the Lord say, and I think this is how you say it, Vende su casa nosotros. Anyway, what it meant, if those were the right words, it was sell your house now. I had that thing up with the realtor for like a year. I didn't even have three people look at it. (coughs) And then, lo and behold, I put it on the market with Kathy Cotton, a realtor in our church, (coughs) and put a certain price And that was a Sunday night. I got back on Saturday. I preached on Sunday morning. We met with her Sunday afternoon, signed a contract. On Wednesday, I had somebody come in and offer the full price. And we sold it. It put me in a position, it put me in a bit of a spot. Because once you sell it, you got a closing date, you got to go buy something. So we went and found a house. And what a beautiful place that was. It had a lot of nice plants, tropical type plants, palm trees and all. Had a circle drive, had stone on the front, Bahama shutters on it. So if you had a hurricane, all you had to do was just undo the thing and drop it and screw it down. Then I went in the back. It had a beautiful big kitchen. My wife loved it. Had two living rooms that kind of joined together. The kids would run like mad through that place. They'd dive in the swimming pool. I'd throw the football, the Nerf football. Zach could catch it and go in one way. Nick would go in the other way. But guess what that house had? A swimming pool with a cover. A beautiful mesh screened-in cover. Beautiful backyard. An enclosed patio where I had my swing. There was a glider that I'd sit on. I was telling somebody about that before service. It was beautiful. God always makes up the difference when you don't hold on to bitterness and the junk that will allow the enemy to move right in. It was great. It was wonderful. Fourthly, Jesus commanded if the cause was too big to handle in a situation where you have something with somebody, you get the church leaders to help settle the situation or the case rather than taking it to the secular courts. And we've done that at times when people couldn't get along and, you know, they did something to try to help somebody and they, they did the, the people that they helped did the wrong thing. If they're in the church, you can do that. But if one is in the world and one is in the church, it's more difficult. But if something has to be done, you get your church leadership to help you in those cases. 1 Corinthians 6, 
1 through 8. Dare any of you, have, oh wait, yeah, having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. You know, in other words, he's given a, a warning. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. You know, it's the world never teaches us the right way to handle things. But it's better to let the church help you when you're going through things. You can get better advice, hopefully, from some with gray hair, you know, that's in the church. But we see in Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, it also says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. So it's better not to cause division in the body of believers when you get bitter against one another. <coughs> Anyhow, forgiveness must rule the heart and not let anger and bitterness do so. Okay. I got a little story. I want to read you a little parable before we go. Once upon a time, two brothers who lived on adjoining farms fell into conflict. It was the first serious rift in 40 years of farming side by side. Sharing machinery and trading labor and goods as needed without a hitch. Then the long collaboration fell apart. It began with a small misunderstanding, and it grew into a major difference. Finally, it exploded into an exchange of bitter words followed by weeks of silence. One morning, there was a knock on the older brother's door, and he opened it to find a man with a carpenter's toolbox. I wonder who that carpenter could be. I'm looking for a few days' work, the man said. Perhaps you would have a few small jobs here and there. Could I help you? Yes, said the older brother. I do have a job for you. Look across the creek at that farm. That's my neighbor. In fact, it's my younger brother. Last week there was a meadow between us, and he took his bulldozer, to the river levee, and now there's a creek between us. Well, he may have done this to spite me, but I'll go him one better. 
See that pile of lumber cuttings by the barn? I want you to build me a fence, an eight-foot fence, so I won't need to see his place anymore. That'll show him. The carpenter said, I think I understand the situation. Show me the nails and the post hole digger, and I'll be able to do a job that pleases you. So the older brother had to go to town for supplies, so he helped the carpenter get the materials ready. Then he was off for the day. The carpenter worked hard all that day, measuring, sawing, nailing. And about sunset, when the farmer returned, the carpenter had just finished his job. The farmer's eyes opened wide. His jaw dropped. There was no fence there at all. It was a bridge. A bridge stretching from one side of the creek to the other. A fine piece of work, handrails and all. And the neighbor, his younger brother, was coming across it, his hand outstretched. He said, you are quite a fellow to build this bridge after all I've said and done. The two brothers met at the middle of the bridge, taking each other's hand. They turned to see the carpenter, hoist his toolbox on his shoulder. No, wait, stay a few days. I have a lot of other projects for you, said the older brother. I'd love to stay on, but I have so many more bridges to build. I thought that was a neat little story. We need to learn to build bridges and not fences. And that keep people out. And you know, if you do your part and people don't accept it or receive it, well, Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out two by two, he said, if you go into a city and they don't receive you, just shake the dust off your feet. And that dust didn't mean to, you know, be mean to them or anything. It meant shake off the rejection and move on. Because they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the Christ in you. So let's keep forgiving, let's move past and build some bridges. What do you think? I think we should. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope that helps somebody tonight. God is good. Hopefully you'll get a little holy laughter on your way home. Stand with me. Father, we love you. We love Jesus, your son. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. He's the one that moves in us and through us. And I ask you, Lord, to help us be more like Jesus. Let us do what he commands. Let's continue to forgive and show love and to lift up others, even though they might have harmed us or wronged us in some way. Lord, forgive us as we forgive them and help us to be able to have a clean heart and be able to walk with you in the way that you walk. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, all righty. Don't forget fresh water at the...
Rogers Theater, Friday night at 7 o'clock.